today is going to be a very simple message. I think I've preached this passage in our church at least four times, maybe five. That'll tell you how important it is. It's a very, very important passage of Scripture, not just to our church, but to every church. The word that's used, the word worship, is used ten times in five verses. Can you guess where this passage is? Anybody know? If you've been to Harvest a few times, you might. Come on. John? Yeah, we're in the book of John. That's good. Chapter 4. All right? John chapter 4. Go ahead and open your Bible to John chapter 4. We're just going to simply study God's Word today. And I'm so, so, so excited about it. So, matter of fact, I've been praying that God would give us a bit of a mini revival today. Why, why the word mini? Mini revival? Why the word mini? Anybody know? Because I'm scared? I mean, just can we just be honest? Because I don't know if God will do it. I was flat out just want a revival, right? Don't you, isn't that what you want? Just have uh, awakening uh, of people who are lost and just have revival in my own heart? Let's have a revival today. Let me rephrase that. Let's have a revival today in our own hearts. All right. Let me pray to that end. Father God, once again I come to you. I feel so dependent. There's nothing I can say or do to change the heart, the spirit of those who have walked in this building today. Truly they're here. The truth is they're sitting right here. But only you can connect their spirit with your spirit and change their life forever. Only you can awaken in them a fresh desire for you and only you on this journey with Jesus. I cannot. And so I submit to you, God. Won't you move? Won't you go pew to pew, seat to seat, aisle to aisle? Won't you seek back and forth, to and fro, someone who loves you, someone who wants, whose heart is towards you? And won't you meet with them and awaken in them a passion for worshiping you in spirit and in truth, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. Amen. I hope that that's your prayer as well. All right, John chapter 4. The title of the message today is Give Up Control. Last week was... You guys are slow on the draw today. I'm going to need you to go a little quicker because I actually have a time frame that I need to keep. Take a seat, all right? And you're all taking a seat, so well done, well done, all right? Take a seat. Sometimes in our journey with Jesus, we just need to sit down. We need to take a seat, rest in Christ, get refueled, ready to go. Maybe you had a chance to do that this week. I pray that you did. The next couple steps that we're going to look at today in this journey with Jesus is sometimes in our journey with Jesus, we need to give up control. 
And could I assert to you that's every time, all the time. It's like, but sometimes more than others, we need to give up control. I need to stop thinking that I'm in control. You need to stop thinking that you're in control. Because I have the mic today, you might feel like, well, he's in control, actually, of what gets said, of what gets, you know, if, if that's what we feel right now, we might as well go home. Because if this is a human experiment, this is a flawed thing, and we, we just pack it up right now. The experiment of preaching the Word of God, the thing that we're going after at Harvest is that God would speak through a messenger something to your heart, not just to your ears, not just to your head, but to your heart that would change you, your life, forever. I need to stop thinking that what I'm thinking matters so much. Does that resonate with anybody today? I mean, when God gave me that this this week, I was like, and that's it. Right? That's it. I need to stop thinking that what I'm thinking is so important. You're the one talking to yourself all the time. Telling yourself what you should do based on the wisdom you've received from your years of experience. But if we could stop thinking that what we're thinking is so important and we could start listening to what God's saying, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to talk too. If we'll just be quiet and give up control, He has a lot He wants to say to us today. And so let me read the passage. I'm just going to give you two quick points. It's really easy, it's simple. But maybe you won't find it so easy. It's. The difference between just head knowledge and heart application. And I pray that it will grip you today and that you'll receive that, that you'll get that difference. Because it's very subtle, but it's very meaningful. All right, let's read. John chapter 4. If you're there, say you're there. Okay, 100% participation. John chapter 4. If you're there, say you're there. All right, good. All right, everybody's there. Mike, were you there? I didn't hear you, but you're back there a ways and you don't have a microphone, so we'll... Okay, there you go. I, I was going to say, you're pretty loud. I could, I could get you. All right. Verse 16. We're going to pick up in the middle of this conversation between Jesus and this woman. And uh, he loves her so much. God the Father loves her so much that God the Father made Jesus walk through Samaria. That wasn't culturally acceptable. Asked Jesus, he was willing, to talk to a woman who was of a different race. Not, not so culturally acceptable. And he did it. Do you see where I'm going here? Are you willing to do whatever God asks you to do? Jesus was, and it made a huge difference in the life of this lady. Here you go. Uh, he was willing to speak the truth in love. Verse 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Where would your mouth be right now? I mean, just put yourself in the story. Oh my. Have we met before? Are you sure? Well, she had, he added her attention now. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive 
good word. I perceive that you are a prophet. There's something supernatural about you because that's bizarre. Our fathers, doesn't wait, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, dear woman, just not, not like, woman, like, he's like, hey girl, you know, like that, like, okay, dear woman, believe me, the hour, that's the cross, just, just put a cross in your Bible, you go read, every time in John he says the hour, he's talking about the coming cross, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Not for the Jews, from the Jews. That's a key difference. But the hour, right across in there again, the hour is coming and is now here. I'm on earth when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. And then the key verse, underline this in your Bible. God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. I'm going to unpack that. The woman said to Him, I know. I know. You know, like Sunday school. I grew up knowing. All, always knew. That Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. When she said that, did, she, did her kind of like head start going like, but he did just tell me all things. I mean, was there a start there in her mind of like, hold on, who am I talking to? And then he just answers the question, right? He just seals the deal. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. He's not in the translation, so here's a better translation. I am speaks to you. I am talking to you. Okay. Just then, his disciples came back. Remember, they were going to the town to get food. Remember that? Okay. They were hungry, and he was thirsty. They marveled. They were like, what in the world's happening? That he was talking with a woman. So this is not culturally acceptable. Right there is good proof. But no one said, no one interrupted him, right? That's the key. What do you seek, or why are you talking with her? I'm just really proud of Peter right here, because interrupting is a thing for him, right? So this is just a real big win for Peter. I would just like to note it. His name's not down here, but like nobody interrupted. That means including Peter. So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Messiah, the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Well, they wanted to know. Do you want to know today? If Jesus is the Messiah, if he's the Christ? They were looking, they were waiting, they were watching. And when she came to town, they were dumbfounded for, for sure. 
but they were like ready to drop everything and go see if it was the Messiah. Are you willing? Are you ready? You're here. Praise the Lord. You've come to church. Good start. That's truth worship, coming to church. Could we have some spirit worship today where you're like, I'm not only just here, my heart's wide open. I want to hear from the Lord today. That's spirit worship, right? There's a distinction. It's good. It's good to make that distinction. All right, here's the first step. The first step in giving up control is admit sin and believe Jesus. Bet you that took all week, huh? You're like, really? We pay you for this? Like, I got that right out of the Bible. All right, let's, let's study it a little bit. So you see verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. You know, it's kind of weird because he was talking to her before. Why does he care if her husband's there now? Does he care? Why does he ask? Start unpacking that in your head. Is he trying to embarrass her? No. If he wanted to embarrass her, he could have done that a different way. He's lovingly putting his finger on the most tender part of her life. Right here. That's where you needed it, didn't you? Right here. She has a choice. She could admit, man, I'm a mess, right? You have no idea. I mean, you're on a topic you don't even want to hear about. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of control. Now, I've never heard of five divorces, but I guess it's possible. This is astounding. This is a real-life story. And she says, she answers, the shortest, she doesn't really want to talk to him at all anyway, but like this is the shortest phrase of all. I have no husband. Cover up, right? And yet he doesn't say like, liar. What does he say? He says, yeah, you're right. You're right in saying that I have no husband for you've had five, actually, Five husbands. She's like, what just happened? And the one you now... Whose mail are you reading? And, And the one you have now is not your husband. You have... So something there that's just an aside, a parenthesis is... You know, marriage matters to God. The actual ceremony, the actual certificate, the actual... It matters. Because he doesn't say, hey, the one you're with... You know, you know what that means, right? The one you're with, he doesn't acknowledge that that's her husband. Because physically, he's not, because they haven't had the ceremony. So Jesus acknowledges that the truth is, in the physical realm, hey, you're not married. So marriage is important. What you have said is true. Here's the truth. The truth is, sin's my issue. Right? I just use myself, for instance. Um, 
I'm, I've made it known pornography is a thing in my past. It's something I had to wrestle with. I got out of ministry for a year because of it. Um, by God's grace, he restored me to ministry. But I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I don't know if it's even safe to say this, but I don't really talk about pornography in the present tense. Have you ever noticed that? Anybody? I always talk about it in the past tense. As in like, yeah, you know, before it was a really hard deal and, you know, God gave me victory. But I don't talk about it like in the last eight years of our church. Have you ever noticed that? Well, now I do. Thanks for bringing it up. Why, why don't I do that? Because God's good. Praise the Lord. Grace is a thing. I don't feel condemned. Why don't I do that? Because it's in the past. Eh. Is it? I mean, it is in the past, but it's not like, I mean, do you really think I'm perfect? Like, I never think a wrong thought, ever. That's not, that's not possible. I'm a guy. You know? Like, if, if you go somewhere and you see someone, you start thinking things. And you have to capture those thoughts, correct? That's, that's what you do. But do you capture those thoughts perfectly? Then why would you think I would? I'm just saying. I'm just trying to prove a point. I'm not sinless. And nor are you. We want to be blameless, which means we're repenting often. We're repenting. We're saying. I'm even bringing it up. Am I willing to admit it? I did. Would you? Am I willing to admit it? Or, or, what did she do? Or, do I want to change the subject? You're like, could you just move on? I'm just like kind of over it now. You're kind of belaboring the sin thing. Um, I'd like to make it really clear. So, um, Exodus chapter 20 talks about the Ten Commandments. You could go read it there. Colossians 3, 5, and 6. Really important verses. Write it down. Really important verses in my life. Colossians 3, 5, and 6 changed my life. Like, your idolatry is got you on the wrong side, and you are, <laughs> the wrath of God is coming, is what it says. And I was like, whoop! Right? That was my aha moment. That was when my mouth dropped to the floor. Like the woman, when he said, hey, you had five husbands, she's like, Jesus had that moment for me, and that moment was in Colossians 3, verse 5 and 6. What passage is that moment for you? I'm going to put a list of sins on the on the. Right? That you may believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That you may believe, that's the whole book of John. 
He says, believe me. The hour is coming. and Neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. I want to make a note. Worship the Father. So he's like, hey, you know, it's not about place, but it is about a person. Do you know who the person is? The person is my Father, God. You worship what you do not know. You have a limited amount of knowledge, Samaritans. Reason why is they only believed in the first five books of the Bible. Just the first five. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Not a lot to read there. I mean, there's a lot, but... Mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of Numbers, right? Leviticus, though. They only believed in the first five books of the Bible. The Jews, however, they knew more. We worship what we know. For salvation. This is the key. Salvation. I hit this every week. The gospel. It's the best news ever. Salvation is from the Jews. That means Jesus came from the line of David. He came from Judah. He was born a Jew. Salvation came through Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers, I want you to focus Spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, let me break it down for you. Salvation. We talk about it every week. If you're here for the first time, we're going to talk about it again next week. All right? Why? Because it's the most important thing. You need to be rescued from the sin, right? Admit you're a sinner, great. You need to be rescued from that sin. There is a person who will rescue you from that sin. His name is Jesus. He's the one that died on a cross to save you from that sin, to pay the debt, to cover it. You know when somebody offends you, somebody's got to pay. Isn't that true? Don't lie to me now in church. If somebody offends you, that costs something. Somebody's got to pay for that. You sinned against me, now you owe me something. Somebody's got to pay. Who's got to pay? Well, that person's got to pay. Really? I thought, that was, I thought that's why Jesus died on the cross. We need to get used to saying, you don't owe me anything. Because Christ already paid that debt. All right? You don't owe me anything. Christ has already paid that debt. That's between you and him. There's no conversion without conviction. So if you're feeling convicted today, you might be like, I'm never coming back. Conviction's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to guilt you. But if the Holy Spirit's convicting you of your sin, don't harden your heart. Lean into that. There's no conversion without conviction. 
Conviction's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Don't stay there though, right? Don't stay in condemnation. Feel convicted, repent, move forward. That's what he's looking for. That's true worship. Worship this Father in spirit. Spirit is with my heart, my soul, my strength. Worship in truth. That's with my mind. You know, it's like a high school science class. You ever been to high school science class? Who's been to high school science class? All right, great. So you go to science class, and the guy like, it's like, whatever he said. All the geeks are looking at me like, what? Like, just saying, that's how the rest of us feel, all right? All right, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm the truth in church. All right, sorry to offend, my bad. You're really smart, you're awesome, you have gifts that none of us have, we're all jealous, it's a sin. We're sinning, not you, it's us. All right, here's the deal. So you go to science class, he gives this lesson, lecture, 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 you're like me, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, but it's all in my head. And then you go to the lab, right? Hands and feet, and you get things moving and going, and, and all of a sudden, your heart goes, I think I can understand this. I think I can apply this to life. This is amazing. Maybe that's just the way I learned. But it's, it's the truth. And so that's when it becomes different. That's when it comes from your head to your heart and out your hands, right? That's what we're looking for in our Christian life. I really, God is a spirit. I'm just let me give you a couple of references. I got I to keep going, but God is a spirit. Let me give you a couple of references. You can check me on this. God is a spirit. He's invisible. Colossians 1.15. Write it down. Colossians 1.15. The invisible God. 1 Timothy 1.17, 1 Timothy 1.17, go read these in your quiet time with the Lord this week. Hebrews 11.27, Hebrews 11.27, and then you could just flip back a page to go to John 1.18, right? No one has seen God at any time. John 1.18. Okay, just go study that. That'll tell you God is a spirit, okay? And, and sometimes you want to be like, he's like got a bed sheet over him. He's a scary ghost or something. It's not, not that right? He's a spirit. He's powerful. He, you know, he's embodied in Jesus. That's good for us to be able to see something tangible, but like he's filling this whole place up at this time. And not just this, the kids ministry too, and every other church in town. Does that resonate with you? Does that make you feel small at all? And every church in America and every church around the world right now, and not in church too, right now, and other galaxies right now. Like, how big is God? So, i got to ask you a question. Do you take the commandments of God, Jesus, the Bible, seriously and obey them quickly? Do you believe Jesus? Do you believe He is who He says He is? Do you believe Jesus rose from the dead? If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, it should change the way you think. It should change the way you act. It should change the way you talk. It should change everything about you. It should change your urgency. 
It will change what you do today at the end of the service if you believe Jesus Christ rose from the dead, covering all sin and shame. It says here, lastly, that he's seeking true worshipers. That means there's false worshipers. That scares me. There's some people that think they're worshiping, but they're worshiping out of ignorance or in some kind of false way. Maybe out of pride. Well, yeah, I always knew. I mean, it makes me tremble. I want to worship in spirit and in truth so badly. And I know God's seeking true worshipers, so let me just put this on the board. 2 Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those who heart is blameless, not sinless, blameless towards Him. You have done foolishly in this. And from now on, you will have wars. Just think about that. James chapter 4 says, where do wars and fightings come from among you? Is it not from your desires? I want it my way. I want to be in control. Don't do fool. Think high, more highly of yourself than you ought. Don't think you know what you do not know. Stop thinking you're in control. Start listening to the Holy Spirit. You wanted to hear from God. Isn't that true? But we kind of got lulled into the church. We're just going to church. Nothing big's going to happen. It's just going to be a normal day. And Satan's like, this is awesome. Church people are just going to go be churchy again. Then they're going to go home and it's not going to make a difference. God, please no. Not here. Not today. Not ever again. Please no. I've preached this passage four times. Preach it the same. Every message is the same. Well, worship, ten times, five verses. This is what it means to kiss the ring, to bow the knee. It's all truth worship. What about the Spirit? What about doing something radical? What about changing my heart? What about not acting the same as when I walked in? That's what we're going for today. The second point, real quickly. Admit sin and believe Jesus. It's much more than those words say, huh? Number two, step two, leave everything and share Jesus. This is what it looks like to give up control, to have your hands wide open. Leave everything behind and go share Jesus with the world. You see what happens here? The woman says... I know, I know, I know. I've always known. I heard it in Sunday school, church camp, that class my parents made me go to, I think it's called catechism, like I heard it there, I was confirmed. I've been taught this forever, man. Like when Messiah comes, 
he who's called Christ is a parenthesis. Okay? He's explaining that to other audiences besides Jews. Jews know who Messiah is. It's the Gentiles that need him to fill in the blank with Christ. Okay? When Messiah is coming, okay, when he comes, he will tell us all things. How did she know this? She only had the first five books of the Bible. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15 through 18. Go read it. It says, another Moses will come. Somebody to lead you like Moses led you. They were looking for Moses. But what they didn't know is the second Moses was right there in front of them. So Jesus says... And this is the only time I can find that he says it, right? So clearly. He refers to it in metaphors so often with Jews. But he never comes straight out and tells them, I'm God. But with the woman at the well, now. How that must have changed everything for her. And it did. Look at it. Just then the disciples came back. So he's giving you the details. They were like, what in the world? And talking to a woman, really? And, but we're not going to interrupt because he knows what he's doing most of the time. We've learned our lesson. What, we're not going to say, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? We're just going to let it roll. And so the woman left her water jar. How precious would that be? This is the reason she came to the well. She went away into the town and said to the people, the people that knew she was a harlot, a sinner, the people that knew everything about her, maybe even she sang it to one of the five guys she was married to before. She's like, I don't care what you think of me anymore, but let me tell you about Jesus. I mean, I don't care. Say what you want to say. Eternity's coming. It's a long time. And I'm ready now. And she just goes for it. And she says, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. But look how genuine she is there at the end. Could this be the Messiah? Could this be? She, she asks a question. She doesn't cram it down their throat. She doesn't say, I have something you never have. Say, I'm better than you. I'm self-righteous. I'm saved now. Nee, 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 nee. You know, she doesn't do that. She doesn't condemn. She doesn't judge. She's curious and inquisitive. She's like, hey, um, I met a guy. Told me my whole life story. Is it possible that this is the Messiah? This is the answer to the prophecy. This is the answer. We've been waiting for this moment. Could it be the moment? See, here's the problem for us, at least for me. I'm not waiting for Jesus. 
That's the problem. If I was waiting for Jesus, everything I said or did would be with waiting for Jesus in mind, with Christ on the brain. So that's how I know I'm not waiting for Jesus because there's times when I'm just doing it in the flesh. And I don't want to do that. He's returning to earth. Many of you heard that before? Has it ever like impacted you? Has it ever like changed you just to hear that? That Jesus is coming back? Ah! It's not a fairy tale. It's real. It's life or death. Everything's on the line with this one thing. If Jesus rose from the dead and is who he said he is, he is coming back and he's going to look you straight in the eye. That's awesome and terrifying. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is God. Let that sink into your heart. I know you know that in your head, but can you let that drop to your heart right now, just for a second? How should that change the way you live? This week it changed me. I was studying this and I uh, rolled up into the rack like I do sometimes. And you know, I get into a conversation with guys like Ali and I just ask like, hey, what's God doing in your life? You know, and I find out information about him. Like he has three grown kids. He's been in America for 20 years. He's from Somalia. Like that's my normal. And then I hope that, and I pray for Ali and I hope that, you know, I'll have another interaction and maybe he'll ask me, what about you? And if he asks me about me, I'm going to tell him about God because God's a huge part of my life. That's my normal. This week, because of this message, I was so convicted. I was in the sauna. It's actually the steam room, but I call it the sauna. And uh, I was in the steam room. And I'm sitting there. There's three other guys. And I'm just, it's just stirring in me. You know how it's just like the Holy Spirit's just like, come on, you've got to get it out. And what he gave me was this. Like, do you guys ever read the Bible? Just boom, straight out of my mouth. Do you guys ever read the Bible? One guy's silent. He ain't have nothing to do with it. The guy next to me says, yeah. The guy two guys down says, yeah, I read the Bible, but I haven't read the whole thing. And then we got into a spiritual conversation. I don't know if anything will come of it, but I obeyed the Holy Spirit. And the most important book in all of creation is on their mind for one second. And if they go read it, it'll change their life like it's changed mine. Like it's changing yours, right? I don't know, I felt like God wanted me to ask you this today. Have you ever read the whole Bible? No condemnation if you haven't. I have this 10-year vision to read the New Testament every year for 10 years. That's a good goal. Start there. Like, hey, what if we read the Old Testament in every three years? We could get it done three times in 10 years. How would that change you, the way you worship the Lord? Because knowing him is half the battle, and then there's like the living in him part. And that means you got to take it, soak it up, and apply it to your life. 
leave everything behind and go share Jesus. Her manner was sincere. Her invitation was so urgent that they immediately went to the well to investigate. I want to be that compelling. I want to be so sincere, yet so lovingly urgent that people are like, well, I'm going to find out. I'm willing to drop everything I have right now and just go find out if this is real. She left everything. She went and shared Jesus. And you know what? That's contagious, guys. Because you know what they did? They left everything. They left town to go out to talk to some guy they, never, they heard about. And next week you come back. Guess what? They're sharing Jesus. They're like, woman, it's not because you told us anymore. We know for ourselves now. You come back next week. We'll get after that. Let me summarize this for you. First, sin is my problem. Second, well, here, let me go for it this way. Sin is my problem. Are you willing to admit it? Some of you already have. Praise the Lord. Are you willing to admit it today and leave it behind? Do you believe Jesus is God? Just a simple question. How does that change the way you live? Because belief determines behavior. You guys know that, right? So I look at my behavior, and that tells me what I really believe. Rather than, oh, no, I believe that. Oh, for sure I do. You're not acting like it. Well, no, no, but I do. I really do. I know Jesus is God. Well, you're not acting like it. No, but I know he is. I remember the day when I said I knew he was. But you're not acting like it. And it just goes round and round. It's just a stubborn cycle of, I already knew this. I already been saved. Versus, what is God saying to you right now? And are you willing to humble yourself and obey his voice in your life? Have you ever told God, I'll do whatever you want me to do? See, when I was 16, I got saved. I said, God, I just want you to come into my life, please. Uh, I'm a sinner. Save me from my sin. I want to live for you. And I said this, which every Baptist kid thinks he's going to Africa when he says this. God, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm all in. I surrender all. And in my mind, I was like, I don't know, I'm going to Africa. Which, which country is it? You know? And God cut off my thought of, I'm going to Africa. Which country is it? And he, and, he, and he said something, you know, like in your head. Like, not like, you're going to. But he's like, love and lead the people of Rochester. All right. I don't know what that means exactly. I don't know if that was my thought or his thought. Over time, and you kind of study it, you're like, oh, hold on. I didn't think that. That was not my thought. I was thinking about Africa. So whose thought was that? Oh, God does speak, and I'm listening now. I want to ask you if you've ever done that, because if you've never done that, today's a good day to do that, because it'll change your life. God's going to tell you something, and if you're willing to do it, God's going to tell you again. 
And if you're willing to do it, God's going to tell you again. You're going to be in an awesome speaking relationship with God where he's just going to say it and you're going to do it. And that's how God gets his will done in our lives on this earth. How is it going to affect your life today, this week, forever, if you just say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do? All right, we're at the end. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand, right? Band's going to come. We're going to worship together. We're going to worship in spirit and in truth. This is, truth worship is however we were worshiping before, right? Maybe you were in the spirit, maybe you weren't. I don't know. I'm not going to judge, right? But we're going to try to worship in our heart, right? Not just with our words, not just with our hands, not just with our physical being. We're going to try to worship with our heart. Worship with our heart takes on a lot of different uh, ways and means, but here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, in the next several songs, I think there's three or four, to come down. Somebody else will be around. Maybe the prayer team will be here if you want somebody like that. Otherwise, just somebody, anybody. Hey, could I tell you something? Yep. All right. Here's, you know, I really struggle with my thought life, David. And, you know, sometimes I just can't control it. And other times I have huge victory. But I just, I want to admit that sin's an issue in my life. All right. Thanks for listening. They can pray over you or that's it. All done. Right? And then... Okay, admit sin, believe Jesus. Believe Jesus will take that from you. And then leave everything behind, leave it all here, and go share Jesus. And the way I want you to do that, right, is with your mouth, obviously, but there's these cards. This will just be a reminder. Hey, Christ is covering it, and I'm going to go live it out. This will just be a reminder. It's just a little card. You can take one, two, five, ten. You can take as many as you want to give out. I don't care. But let this be your tangible reminder. Put it in your pocket. Do something with it. Put it in your wallet. I have two in my wallet right now, right? And just remind yourself that you're going to share what God's done in your life. You're not just going to keep it to yourself. Because you can confess it here, but what happens if you go to work and you confess it? What happens if you go to work and you confess it? Like, oh, you freak? Could be. Or they could be like, yeah, you know, I struggle with that too. Well, now we're getting somewhere because sin is everybody's issue. And if we won't admit it, we can never be saved. When do we, church, start living like Jesus really died and that he's really coming back and that everybody else in this town needs to hear about it? I want to submit to you that that day is today. That's the day. May 19th, 2019, our church decided to fill 1,800 seats by being different. Our church decided it's not enough to play church. We actually want to worship in spirit and in truth. Do you understand? I'm not beating you up. I'm just telling you what God's done in my life this, year, this week, right? He loves you so much.